Will somebody magnify a faithful God with me right now? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise unto the almighty faithful God, the sovereign Savior. Thank you for my Redeemer. Thank you, God. You're my fortress and refuge. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. So few things you can depend on in our world today. But he is someone you can depend on. He is someone you can count on. Hebrews chapter 2. I've been meaning to mention this for several weeks, and I just have not oversight. Amen. I wanted to congratulate Brother and Sister Axtell, who just recently was elected to be our Section 4 Youth Leaders, and so we congratulate them. And not only that, they were asked Friday night to lead the worship for the whole district. There was, I don't know, 800 people there or more, and they were asked to lead the worship, so amen. Putting Fuquay on the map, what can I say? I mean, thank you. Thank you. We already knew the best was in this church. We got the best leaders, best people, best church family. We already knew that. Secrets just getting out, Brother Ock, and they just figuring out what we already knew. And we congratulate them and all of our leaders. Amen. Do such a wonderful job. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 3. This is a question. If you can answer this question, you're doing something. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? You tell me how you're going to pull off going to heaven. You tell me how you're going to dance on streets of gold. You tell me how you're going to join loved ones. This is the question. It's not a statement. It's a question. We want to know if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. Joshua 24 and 15, choose you this day. Someone say this day. Whom you will serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We're not neglecting the decision. We're not putting it off. We're not thinking about it. Not debating over it. Today, we choose that me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I want to minister just for a few minutes on this subject this morning. Learning to detect the neglect. Learning to detect the neglect. Let's pray today. God, we thank you for your spirit. We don't take for granted every moment that we get to spend in your presence and among your people. Thank you for that today, God. May we make the most of the next 30 minutes, the next time that we are here, God, in your presence. God, under the sound of your word, we thank you today, God. We thank you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. How many know how important, not because of me, but because of the word, how many know how important preaching is? Preaching is so important. Amen. 
not my message today, but Jeremiah once told the people of Israel, you got shepherds that are leading you off in confusion because they're having these visions and coming to you and telling you about these grandiose visions and you're following off in these, Jeremiah 22 and 23, leading them off into crazy stuff because these grandiose visions. He said, all you need to do is follow the words of the Lord that have already been written. I thank God for every vision, every vision you have, every angel that walks in your room. I don't dispute that. I don't deny that. But I want to tell you, if anything that you hear, anything you see, any vision or grandiose revelation that you have, if it leads you away from what's already been written in this book, you need to quit eating pizza and come back and read the Bible. Come on, somebody. The preaching of the Word of God is the most important thing we do around here. Someone said, oh, I, I want to hear the Lord speak audibly to me. I want to hear the Lord say something to me in an audible voice. You want to hear the voice of the Lord? You want to hear it? Close your eyes. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though mountains shall shake with the swelling thereof, there is a river, someone say a river, and the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. Open up your eyes. You just heard the audible voice of God. It's His Word. It's not my Word. Nothing is more important than the Word of God. can hear the audible voice of God anytime you want to. Read your Bible out loud. Read your Bible out loud. I don't want to get off on a tangent today, but it, you know, it's been a few weeks since I'm preached, and so a, I'm, I'm resisting the urge. I got six weeks worth of preaching in 20 minutes. I'm going to try to do my best, but I want to tell you today, don't get hung up on some internet preacher who's having another vision, seeing angels walking all around. If it don't align with the Word of God, Jeremiah said, you quit listening to that mess and you get back to what God has already told you. Nothing is more important than the preached Word of God. God bless you. You may be seated. Learning to detect the neglect. When we think in terms of caring for animals, I, I love, I'm an animal lover. I love animals. I love all animals, especially the ones that I can shoot and eat. There's a place for all animals. Not all of them, but most of them belong right beside the mashed potatoes and gravy. But I love animals, and it's, to see, it's easy to see how when it comes to Animals, neglect, and abuse are the same things. We have all seen animals that have been left outside in frigid conditions with no way to get warm. Skin and bones due to not being fed. And it's not that someone is out there necessarily physically beating that dog or physically abusing that animal, but clearly neglect is abuse. We've witnessed over the past several years heartbreaking examples of Children being neglected and abused. David and Louise Turpin, not long ago, was 
indicted for keeping their 13 children locked in a dark, damp, dirty, foul-smelling room for years. No one in their right mind can say that in the topic of child care, that child neglect is anything other than child abuse. Child neglect is child abuse. So concerning spiritual things, why do we not view neglect as abuse? People unashamedly neglect God's house. They unashamedly neglect God's word. They unapologetically neglect God's love. But they say they love God and they want to go to God's heaven. They say to themselves, I would never hurt God. I love God, preacher. I would never drive nails into the wrist of my Savior. Or hear the crunch of broken bones or push a spear into his side, slicing open the heart and lungs as pints of blood would pour on the ground. I would never do that. You say to yourself, I could never take a crown of thorns one inch long and force them into the skull of Jesus. I don't believe anyone in this room could bring themselves to do that. And yet, if we are honest today, we can agree that neglect is abuse. What question is being asked in our scripture text today? What question is it? How shall we escape if we blatantly disobey God's word, horribly immoral and evil? How shall we escape if we drunkenly, violently beat our wife and children? How shall we escape if we steal or kill from the poor and hurting? How shall we escape if we abuse the elderly? How shall we escape if we abuse children? No, those are too obvious. Satan would never use such visible weapons. Men and women are too clever to fall prey to them. Hear the word of the Lord. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Philippians 2 and 13 says, work out your own salvation. Salvation is work. Your relationship with God is not something that you can passively approach. It is not something that you can do in your spare time when you've got nothing else to do. But a vibrant, growing, thriving relationship with God is something you've got to be deliberate and conscientious about. It's got to be something that you work at and you cannot afford to neglect it. Neglect is the state or fact of being uncared for or the failure to care for properly. Brothers and sisters, I submit to you today that our greatest spiritual enemy is the inability for us to see us not being able to detect the neglect in our own lives. Spiritual discernment. Now, everybody likes to think they have spiritual discernment. I, I thank God for those that walk in the Spirit. We have so many in our church today that have wonderful spiritual discernment. But can I tell you today, the greatest spiritual discernment is the ability to detect the neglect in your own life. 
The greatest spiritual discernment is not calling out devils and beckoning angels. The greatest spiritual discernment is the ability to say, I've been neglecting my relationship with God. I feel something inside of me that's not right. I see and I sense something inside of me that has fallen away and pulled away from God. That is the greatest spiritual discernment. When you have the ability to look yourself in the mirror and be honest with yourself and say, I've not been doing doing horribly immoral things. I've not been getting wasted at the bar. I've not been slapping around my wife or children. But what I have been doing is neglecting so great a salvation. And the word of God says, not how shall we not be blessed? How we not get miracles? The Bible says, how shall we escape? We are talking about heaven and hell. We are talking about eternity. We are talking about spending eternity with God. How shall we escape if we neglect, not ignore, not abuse, not walk away from, not become agnostic, but simply neglect? Why? Because neglect is abuse. Neglect is abuse. Letting the situation go. Failure to honestly determine where you are in your relationship with your creator. Allowing the debris to pile up in the corners of your mind and heart. Putting off what one knows must be addressed. How shall we escape if we neglect? I have... The years of ministry stood at the bedside of so many who in the closing moments of their life realized I gave way too much time and attention to things that did not matter and I neglected the one thing that did. And so the Bible thunders, choose you this day. Today is the day of salvation, not tomorrow, not a more convenient season, but today, choose you this day. You see, neglect is the devious, most devious of all enemies. The most devious and conniving of all enemies that mankind faces because of its unpretentious demeanor. Neglect does not scowl menacingly or brandish a flaming sword, that's too obvious. It wears a disarming smile, and yet its dagger drips with the blood of far more victims than that does of open infidelity or rebellion against God. Neglect stabbed Pilate and his soul. Its sharp blade took down the mighty Felix and the Agrippa. It was neglect that became the chief executioner in the wilderness as Moses implored the Israelites to look to the brazen serpent and live. All of us recoil in disgust as we hear someone curse the Lord's name. Oftentimes on the job in anger, we hear someone spewing profanity and filth. And the hairs on the back of my neck stand up when I hear someone say the name of Jesus. To be given an opportunity to speak the name of Jesus and blessing and then to use it in a curse is, is a horrible thing. And yet I tell you, a person burning through an unregenerate lips is no worse of a plight than the person who murmurs 
tomorrow. Tomorrow. You may look at someone who calls the name of the Lord Jesus in vain and recoil in disgust, but I will tell you today regarding the scripture that says neglect so great a salvation for you simply to say tomorrow is no worse than for someone to call the Lord's name in vain because you are openly looking at the grace of God and the blood that was shed at Calvary and saying it's not enough for today. It's not enough for today. To be given an opportunity partaking of a salvation that the Bible describes not just great. What does it say? So great. The writer said great don't cover it. Great doesn't even begin to describe this salvation. When you think about what happens at salvation. That you come to an altar and repent of your sins which is a Death sentence. Do you understand without repentance, hell is already a foregone conclusion for you. Without repentance, without the infilling of God's spirit, and without being baptized in the name of Jesus, you don't get a choice where you spend eternity. You can do as much as you want to do. You can help charities. You can volunteer at the church. You can do all the good things on the planet, but works do not get you there. It is so great of a salvation, the price that he paid. That's why the writer said it's not just great, good, okay, so great. And so for you to be given an opportunity, partaking of a salvation that is described so great, and then to casually walk away and say, tomorrow is no worse than for you to point your finger at someone you don't know. A curse using the name of God in vain. What is worse? To know, not know it, yet curse it, or to know it and ignore it. They don't know any better. Come on, somebody. What's worse, for them to curse the name of someone they don't know or for us to know so great a salvation and to neglect it? To whom much is given? Come on, somebody, much is required. He's been good to me. He purchased my salvation. He forgave me of all of my sins. He filled me with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It should be so great. It should be so wonderful. It should be so incredible. I would never neglect it. I would never neglect it. Some persons dash headlong over the eternal precipice while others simply drift softly to their doom. And yet they all end up in the same place. They did not escape. Hell will be filled simply with people who neglected, neglected. You cannot neglect your health and expect to live a long life, right? You neglect your health, what's going to happen? You'll die prematurely. You might die prematurely anyway, but you certainly will by neglecting your health. What happens if you neglect your finances? You're poor. You're broke. <laughs> you, <laughs> You might not be neglecting them and still be broke, but you're definitely going to be neglecting them and be broke. What happens if you neglect your job? You're unemployed. But you know what? You can be unemployed, broke, and in bad health and still go to heaven. 
You neglect your salvation, you can be healthy, have a bunch of money, and the best job in town, and you can still split hell wide open. There is one thing you cannot afford to neglect. There is one thing that you cannot afford not to pay attention to. There is one thing that you cannot afford to work at. If I'm going to work at anything, it's going to be on my relationship with God. Who cares if I'm a great employer? Who cares if I got all kinds of money? Who cares if I can pump iron at the gym? If I've neglected my relationship with God. Satan's clever. I don't want to give him any credit today, but he's not stupid. He's trying to get you to say something. It's two words he's trying to get you to say. And those two words that he is not trying to get you to say is not ever. He knows better than that. Most people are not going to say, oh, I'm not ever going to turn my life over to God. I'm not ever going to serve God with reckless abandonment. I'm not ever. What he's just simply trying to get you to say is not now. If he can get you to say not now, not now turns not ever. As far as your destiny is concerned, you're already in the grave and your judgment has been passed. The old song reminds us a line that says, there's a line that's drawn by rejecting our Lord where the call of his spirit is lost. You know, your heart can go through a gradual hardening process as you get older. We know that. For multitudes of people, they awake too late to the fact that salvation's day is past and the opportunity lies mutilated and dead in some forgotten grave. The Bible says, seek ye the Lord while he may be found. I, every opportunity that I get because I have preached way too many people's last sermons for me not to say this. If you get tired of hearing it, I don't care. You stand in my place and you, you preach a lot of people's last sermon. I say this every chance I get. If you can feel anything right now, you better thank God for it. If any part of what I'm saying is tugging on your spirit, you better thank God. The Bible says, seek the Lord while he may be found because there could be a day you'll walk into the same service, we can sing the same songs, and I'll preach the same sermon, and nothing helps or, or, or nothing, you'll feel anything inside of you. If you feel anything at all, you need to thank God right now. God, I thank you that you're still working. I thank you, God, that you're still convicting. Thank you, God, that you're still pulling. And if you are seeking, I'm going to make sure I'm going to respond. Today, today, Jesus told a remarkable story as recorded in Luke chapter 16. It's an incredible story. There was a certain rich man, Jesus, who said he was splendidly clothed. He had a lot of money. He lived every day in myrrh and luxury. One day, Lazarus, which was a deceased beggar, laid at his door. And as he lay there longing for the scraps from the rich man's table, the Bible said it was so bad the dogs would come and lick his open sores. Finally, the beggar died and was carried by angels to be with Abraham in the place of the righteous dead. Rich man... He also died and was buried, and the Bible said his soul went into hell. And there in torment he saw Lazarus from a far distance with Abraham. This beggar, this man who had nothing, he saw him with Abraham, and he said, Father Abraham, have some pity. 
Send Lazarus, that man that was a beggar on earth. Send him over here that he may dip the finger of his or, or the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. Why, for I am in anguish, he said, of these flames. But Abraham said, Son, remember that during your lifetime as a rich man, you had everything you wanted, and Lazarus had nothing. And so now he is here being comforted, and you are being tormented. And he said, beside that, there is a great valley separating you and us. And anyone who desires to come from there to here will be stopped at the edge. Then the rich man said, well, if I can't be saved, O Father Abraham, please send that Lazarus, that beggar that lay at the gate of my house for so long. Send him to my father's, for I have five brothers and I want to warn them about this place of torment so they don't ever come here. But notice what Abraham said. He said, the scriptures have warned them again and again. Your brothers can read them anytime they want to. The rich man replied, no, Father Abraham, they won't bother to read them. Someone say neglect. But if someone is sent to them from the dead... They will turn from their sins. Abraham said, if they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't listen to anyone who even raises from the dead. What an incredible story. It tells of the tragically wasted life of a man whom the world considered successful. He had everything he wanted, a luxurious home, ample food, ease of life, but he neglected the one thing that was most important. And when he tried to get the word to his brothers, Abraham said, how many times, if he was sitting here today in our modern terminology, he would say, how many services have they sat in? How many sermons have they heard? How many times have they felt the presence of God move through a congregation? If that don't move them, not even you coming from the dead and talking to them in the middle of the night would move them. Honey, I want to tell you something. This is all that God offers. It don't get any better than this. The blood of Jesus that washes away your sins. Literally, God's Spirit living inside of you, transforming your life and giving you a brand new start, making you a new creature. That's all there is. That's all that's offered. And if you don't move by that, and if you don't commit to that, and you don't change your life there, can I tell you, angels coming out of the night uh, things from the dead uh, visions uh, and things out of the uh, out of the mysterious darkness won't affect it the greatest thing that you got is this salvation uh, you need to know there's nothing greater than the word of god there's nothing greater than the presence of god there's nothing greater than what god is doing in my life right now i need to respond In the process of caring for all the needs and wants of his human life, he neglected the most important thing. And that was the Word of God. It was the Word of God. How subtly the enemy corrupts our thinking when he says, you've got plenty of time. But yet the Bible tells us our life is like a vapor. Brothers and sisters, I want to tell you, cemeteries, are full of people who thought they had plenty of time. Come on, somebody. I'm just being honest with you. 
I'm just trying to help you to understand you sitting here today in a pew and feeling the presence of God is an incredible miracle, an incredible honor, an incredible privilege that God is still reaching and pulling and giving you an opportunity to draw near to. Don't neglect that. This opportunity is something that you may never feel or see again. Just because you've sat in a thousand services don't mean that you're going to wake up tomorrow and get another opportunity. While you got a chance and while you are in church and while God's Spirit is still drawing you, I admonish you, I challenge you, I beg you today, do not neglect so great a salvation. Brothers and sisters, can't you see that neglecting is abuse? When I look at God's grace and I walk away from it, I'm driving nails in his hands. When I look at the blood of Jesus that's available on this Sunday morning and I don't take advantage of it, I'm cramming the crown of thorns down upon his head. I don't want to neglect it. Someone say, neglect is abuse. There is an element here that we've not discussed, and I'm preparing to close. Ever heard of the third child syndrome? How many have got at least three children? Some of you can raise both hands and a foot. Why is it that that third child gets different rules, more time, and more attention. All oh, you middle children. Figured Macy would be running the aisles by now. Why is that? Because as a young parent, you have no concept as to how quickly life moves. You're up all night crying and walking the floor, and that seems like it lasts forever. Oh, is this kid ever going to stop crying? Are they ever going to stop teething? Are they ever going to get over this colic? So really I had colic and it was just like, but we loved her, but it just felt like the days were 72 hours long. And yet, you take for granted those precious moments when they were small. When you are the only one that can really understand what they are saying when they go, like, want a bottle of milk and they want a chocolate and heat it up. Everybody around is like, how did you know what they said? You take for granted those moments. And yet by the time the third child rolls around, that realization hits you like a freight train. And you look at your other two, I look at my girls, I'm like, my Lord, what happened? They were five yesterday. What happened? And then you panic. You go, oh, Lord, look how, look how fast life is moving. And then you start savoring every moment, and you start realizing not everything's worth fighting over. Not everything's important. Not everything's worth having a, a fight over. There are some things that are extremely important, but I'm realizing that time moves so quickly. So it is in our walk with God. Every day neglected concerning your soul is another day away from walking with him. And it's too precious and it's too wonderful. Satan knows that he keeps stealing these precious moments away from God. That's why those that are in our, our elders, those that have lived for God for a long time, they look at us young whippersnappers like myself. He's about 30 minutes away from going to a young at heart fellowship, let's be honest. 
And I know what they're thinking. They just don't realize how those moments with God are so precious. You start getting into the twilight years of your life and you're realizing, I don't have a long time on this earth anymore. Every moment with God is precious. You get up in the morning and you sip your coffee and you talk to God and you read the Bible and you just savor it. And all the rest of us, we jump up in the morning, we're going to take over the world, we're going to get a promotion, we're going to buy something, we're going to do something, and our elders are going, you don't realize how precious that is. Don't neglect that. Don't walk away from that. Don't get distracted by stuff that don't matter. Don't get pulled into traps that don't matter. I want to challenge someone here today. You need to realize salvation is so great. God is so great. His mercies are so great. Do not not neglect him. Savor every moment. Take in every service. Take in every sermon. Take in every ounce of God's presence in your life. I'm preaching to people today online who would give their right arm to be here today. They thought of how many times I was there and I probably did not understand what a privilege it was to be here. And so I challenge you today, don't neglect it. Don't neglect it. Yeah, I just turned four pages right then. You see that? That's how much I love these people. I'm challenging you today. Don't neglect it. Because neglect is abuse. Neglect is your number one enemy. God is your number one friend. You choose today. For most of us, the Bible describes it this way too. We are like a piece of sealing wax. At first try, the wax melts readily. The first time you melt that wax, it just, just melts so easily. But then you let it harden. And the next time, it's a proven fact, it takes nearly 50% more heat to melt it. And then the third time, that wax is like rock. Although it may eventually melt, it takes terrific heat to finally melt it. Whenever we allow our hearts to grow cold, Whenever we neglect our relationship with God, when we fail to stir up, the Bible says, the gift that is within us, when we allow those coals to grow cold and dark, the next time we come to God, and those of you that have made it back from a, a backslidden condition or made it back from walking away from God, you would be my greatest support right here because people that have never done that don't realize it. But every backslider would tell you, it takes 50% more heat the next time you want to you want to melt that wax. You remember the first time you came into church? You didn't know anything about God. You just felt that conviction. And the preacher, he just kind of started to give his altar call, and you were like, ah. You neglected praying. You neglected coming to church. You didn't, you didn't read your Bible. 
You didn't cultivate a godly atmosphere throughout the week. And eventually, that wax hardened. We didn't see you for a while. Or maybe you sat on a pew because that happens all the time too. And your heart grew hard and cold. And then the next time you kind of said, you know what, I need to get back to God. And the altar call came and you were like, you're fighting devils the whole way condemnation and guilt what do they think about me what are they going to say about me I can't do this I'm a failure I've fallen I've been through this before I can't. and you got to fight those devils all the way to that altar you got to surrender because it takes 50% more heat it's a biblical principle the Bible says when a house is vacant it, go, go, it will go out and get seven more spirits and move in you neglected that and so the devil says, if you're going to leave that house empty, I'll show up with some buddies. But every backslider will tell you, you let that happen more than a couple times, it is a fight to get back. And if you're here today and you're not where you need to be with God, you have accomplished a great victory by being in church today. I challenge you, you need to see this thing through. Don't let this service go by. Don't let this altar call go by. You've fought too much. You've gone through too much. You've already overcome so much. Don't allow the devil to steal your victory. Come on, stand to your feet. Lift your hands right now. Challenge somebody right now to give your relationship with God the utmost attention. I'm asking you right now to tune everything else. Tune everybody else out in your life and say, God, I got to do whatever I got to do to get back to you. I got to fight every demon in hell. I'll do it. If I got to walk over pride, if I've got to walk over what I think others are saying about me, I'll do whatever. Because it's so great. It's too wonderful. It's too great. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Holy Ghost, I'm challenging you right now to touch somebody. Holy Ghost, I'm asking you right now to walk up and down the aisles of this church and reach for that one that has walked away from you. I'm asking you right now, God, to walk out there and speak to someone that says, I've been neglecting. I've not been paying attention. I've not given it my all. Come on, join those that are bold and courageous enough to walk to this altar and say, I've let other things stand between me and God. Join those that are at this altar right now who are courageous enough to say I've been neglecting some things I've been walking away from some things but today but today in the name of Jesus melt the heart of stone right now God in the name of Jesus I pray God that you would melt that heart in the name of Jesus touch them right now God we pray reach over and pray for your neighbor reach over and pray for them right now renew them
make this song your prayer right now. drawing somebody right now. Come on, this is the moment where he draws you closer to him right now. this week. You don't know what you're going to go through. You don't know what battles you're going to have to fight. You don't know what phone calls you may get. You don't know what tragedy you may incur. You're going to need this right here. You're going to need this right here. Close your eyes and lift your hands and surrender to him.
Put your hands together. Give the Lord some praise. 